cops probably shot him. They'll be back any minute. What happened, kid? Who shot you? Hey, come on, leave him alone. Hey, God damn it! Somebody hey. shot him. Okay? We could all be in danger. Hey, we're not just gonna leave him here. Look, I've had a lot to drink tonight. Okay? What's your problem? The kid is hurt. Look, do you want me to go to prison because of this punk? Okay? It is not our concern. Yes, it is, Ray. Look, they're coming after me. You gotta help me. Look, we won't let anybody. <laughs> Look, you gotta get me out of here. God damn it! I can't hear myself. Hey, you shut up. Judgment Night! No, that wasn't Biohazard or Onyx. That was me, Kevin. I'm joined by my co-host, Jim. Hey now! This is the Pool Scene Podcast. Biohazard and Onyx teamed up for a song on the soundtrack of this week's movie. Onyx, of course, their breakthrough album, Back to Fuck Up, or as I don't know how old I was remembering, trying to get my parents to buy me that album, and I think I called it Back to Fook Up. As if like, wasn't it like the edited, you know, like the lower third card they'd have on an MTV video? Didn't it just say back it up? It probably did. Like B A triple C double A double D double three U P back up B A C U P slam back up. So Biohazard again, Biohazard Onyx, they teamed up for a song on this soundtrack for this week's movie for a second consecutive week. We go back to back 1993 Dennis Leary movies. Hell yeah. As banger season continues. No, we're not covering Demolition Man a second straight time. We're talking the fun, underrated Judgment Night. I think that would be kind of funny to fuck with people and go, wait a minute, didn't Didn't he do do Demolition Man last week? No, we're doing it again. Remix. The action thriller directed by Stephen Hopkins. Hopkins directed Dangerous Game, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, and Predator 2 before Judgment Night. Danny Glover, baby. And blown away right after. Ooh, Tommy Lee. Dennis Leary. Jones. The, Tommy Lee. That well, we're going to talk about Tommy blown Lee. Blown away. Those are all lowercase B bangers, not the capital B banger that is Judgment Night. The original spec script was titled, Jim, you know what it was? I think I read it, but I can't recall it off the top of my head. Escape. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. With Ray Liotta. Yes, not as good. The original spec script, of course, had a lot of what we like to cover, which was much more violence in its first iteration. A lot of these movies, you know, the first time they went through, they were way more violent. They got toned down by the studio. One version took place with bikers in the desert outside of Los Angeles. Another included rooftop motorcycle chases, which sounds awesome. That's pretty badass that sounds great i want to see ray jump the building yes one rewrite was by john carpenter could you imagine how fucking sweet that would have been it would have been awesome and in that urban sprawl like escape from new york yes exactly escape from new york escape from la this is basically the same thing escape from a boxing match yeah escape from chicago speaking of violence we don't do a lot of trigger warnings on this podcast but if you don't want to hear a disturbing violent factoid please skip forward 30 seconds. While filming the rooftop confrontation scene in Chicago, the cast and crew were startled by the sound of a gunshot. They ran downstairs to find a 16-year-old with his head blown off. Fucking Christ, It was a part of a gang initiation murder. So one 16-year-old blew another 16-year-old's head off. So they walked down and saw it. How the fuck do you continue shooting after that? Well, the army actually had to be brought in because I guess this was like a heavily gang populated area. And they, so the army came in and secured the area and they moved the filming location. I would hope so. So, but I think like the actors in this movie, like everyone involved, Dennis Leary, Jeremy Piven, they all just saw it. So how like traumatizing is that? Uh, it would have played into that scene real well where Ray is in that apartment building and he puts the gun on all of his friends and he's crying and yeah, breaking down. It's probably just probably saw that real, happen. Yeah. Also, I'm sure this will lead to what Jim tells us in a few minutes, but on opening weekend, there was a shooting at a screening in the Bronx. Fucking hell, man, this movie. The local media blamed the movie itself, and it was pulled after only two weeks in theaters. It's all those murder death kills. The studio thought the movie was very bleak and serious. Funny dialogue was added later, along with adding an action score to replace what they felt was a horror type of score. I don't really recall much comedy in this movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. Really like, even if they added it, you didn't notice because yeah. it's not like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Dennis Leary being Dennis Leary. Thank you, buddy. Jim, we had uh, maybe a bit of a cursed production. We've discussed those before. A studio that was not on board. Please give us budget box office news number ones at time of release for Judgment Night. <laughs> 
WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. So ironic enough, because we did Demolition Man last week, Judgment Night came out on October 15th, 1993, specifically one week after the launch of Demolition Man. So perfectly in tune with us, which is insane. Symmetry here on the Pool Scene Podcast. Each movie we did within a week of each other, just like real life with a budget of $21 million. Kevin, here might be the most absolute specific number ever for money made for a movie. Okay. Judgment Night made 12 million one hundred thirty six thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars oh, at the box office that's extremely specific they needed one more buck one more buck for an even 137 i don't know what the hell took them that long so news is going to be slightly different this week because there will be overlap from last week so i decided to do things a little bit differently so i'm going to give you some of the most notable events that ever happened on october the 15th october 15th 1973 kevin one of your favorite historical events the iceland cod wars what the iceland cod wars the fish cod the fish yes the iceland foreign secretary has announced that iceland is taking its case against great britain in the current cod war to the u.n general assembly in an attempt to settle the ongoing dispute hey bitch that's our fish no it is not it is the fish of the realm and that is what happened there on october the 15th also 1964 while on holiday in patsuda abkhazia georgia a band of conspirators call a special meeting of the central committee in which nikita khrushchev is removed from his positions he is replaced by kgb operative alexei kosijin as premier and by leonid brezhnev as the communist party secretary brezhnev as you know one of the weirdest looking dudes in best eyebrows in human (laughs) history and you know what leonid brezhnev if he was a capitalist he would have bought one of the best fashions at the time a tapered style shirt for two (laughs) dollars and 90 cents button down collar with button in the back box pleat back dress shirt type tails one pocket choose from olive green combination or gold color perfect communist you get two choices that's it also 1997 the cassini huygens probe a joint european american project designed to study the planet saturn and its moons launches from cape canaveral on the start of its seven-year journey to saturn and when it got there in 04 amazing pictures were produced some of the most spectacular pictures ever its mission ended on my birthday in 2017 when it plunged purposefully into saturn's atmosphere so we had a ton of interesting stuff going on a lot of big words october 15th a lot of big words and of course the man the myth the legend was born krista berg oh known for his hit the lady in red was born i would never have guessed this pergamino argentina Really? He was born in Argentina, was an expat. Then he went back to the Britain where he became absolutely huge. And speaking of somebody that's absolutely huge, let's throw it over to the man. I almost wanted to say George Costanza, but let's throw it over to George Michael and the sports machine. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the sports machine. In 1912, the Boston Red Sox's Tris Speaker makes the only World Series unassisted double play from the outfield. Whoa. The only ever and that was in 1912 very long arms he just tagged them from huge he just reached like stretch fucking armstrong in 1933 the philadelphia eagles play the first ever nfl game losing to the new york giants 56 to nothing whoa welcome to the new professional league there pal in 1988 an iconic moment happened during the world series with two outs in the bottom of the ninth an injured kirk gibson hits a dramatic two-run home run to give the los angeles dodgers a 5-4 win in the first game of the world World Series. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Came off the bench completely injured yeah. and somehow. Awesome highlight. Got it over. Did you see, so I know you have thoughts about Aaron Judge's home run, but did you see the guy jump out of the stands to try and catch it? No. You didn't see that. I didn't see it, but I heard the guy who did. Was that the guy who got the ball? No. The guy who ended up getting a ball, listen, probably a guy who never needed it. Works for yeah. like a trust fund company. He, yeah. he, he his deals wife like, works for ESPN or something. He deals like a hundred and yeah. like two hundred billion dollar contracts every yeah. day. Yeah, because yeah, I saw, fell. At first, so somebody did fall. They jumped. They like it's like the old footage where the field goal and the guy yeah. tried to 
to jump and catch it. It was like that. The ball's valued at $2 million. So if you're like us yeah, and you have an opportunity to catch $2 million oh, baseball and it's a few feet away, yeah, I would risk a broken leg or something. I, I'm diving head first for that fucking ball. So he dove. He probably got a swift exit to the, uh, you know, to out. But um, to me, Aaron Judge, not the true home run king. You still don't, you don't think he is? No, Barry Bonds is. 73 home runs. And it's because if Barry Bonds was on steroids, the pitchers absolutely were on steroids. Everybody was on steroids. How do we know Aaron Judge isn't on steroids? Like it's a good point. And it's the juiced ball era too. So it's like, they're not doing steroids anymore. They're not publicizing steroids, but they've changed the baseballs. So it's like, it, see, I mean, I've even tweeted that this is the actual new home run record. However, you do have a point because the balls have been juiced. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know where to stand. Maybe it's just still Maris's record the, after the, all. The bad thing about baseball, again, we've then mentioned again, it's it baseball. Who gives not a worth, shit? Yeah, not worth talking about, but baseball has the worst marketing problem ever because awesomely bad. If not, you they should acknowledge Barry Bonds as the home run king because Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds is the only time our generation ever gave a shit about baseball. And and those three guys saved baseball, which I was just going to say that the strike baseball was almost dead. It was dead and gone. And these three guys threw a home run record, steroids or not. I mean, they saved baseball and baseball wants to bury them, not allow them in the hall of fame. And who is not to say might be a little bit of a controversial conspiracy theory deal here, but who's not to say MLB kind of helped, you know, Hey, we can do something. You're getting big. Yeah. You're getting big too. Yeah. Sammy Sosa, who didn't hit shit before 98. Right. right. But yeah, who's not to say then in 97, one thing that was very true to our hearts, the Indians win the AL championship over Baltimore four games to two. And of course they lose in seven games to the fucking Marlins. Uh. God damn, Nagy throws Nah, Mesa blows it. Nagy throws that pitch to Rennery in the eleventh. Fuck. And then finally, Kevin in sports. Last year, the IPL Cricket Final, Dubai International Stadium. The Chennai Super Kings win their fourth IPL title, beating the Kolkata Knight Riders. Great Whoa. fucking name by twenty-seven <laughs> runs. Whoa, Is that a lot. I, I maybe. Faf Duplessis scores eighty-six off fifty-nine balls for Player of the Match. I've watched cricket for maybe ten minutes, and I'm watching. I'm like the King Ralph thing. I don't know yeah. if you ever seen King Ralph. Mm-hmm. Hit out the fucking stadium. Is that not a home run? Just yeah. fucking do some. You hit it backwards and shit. Weird game. But that's my ignorant American take. The number one movie in America. Go figure, Kevin. Demolition Man. Yeah. Because it came out the week we, before. Yeah. Number one. And then since the number one song here in America was the same as last week, Dream Lover, Mariah Carey, rub one out. So this week, number one, Toba the Pops. Take that featuring Lulu. Relight my fire. Nobody in their right mind would have remembered this song. No, I don't remember. I can name one take that song and that's back for good. Yeah. This After one, they reunited. Yes. This one was originally performed by Dan Hartman or it was written by Dan Hartman who did the song. I can dream about you. Yeah. One of my favorite, like lost eighties gem of a song. But yeah, that's all that was going on in the history of the earth on October 15th, 1993. All right, so this was interesting. I'm not sure if this was on purpose, but this movie is seen as a loose remake of 1972's Deliverance. What? Four men end up in the wrong place on a trip and up stalked and in danger. In both movies, one character dies, two are wounded, and both of the movie's lead villains fall to their deaths. So one of the uh, the interesting movie facts of all time is that Banjo Kid wasn't actually playing the banjo. Somebody else's arm, they shot it at an angle and someone else, he tucked his arm behind his back. Somebody else's arm was around him and somebody else's arm was playing the banjo. All right, let's chase down the plot. So we have Frank Wyatt. He's a typical American family man, a dad guy, along with his brother, John Wyatt, and best friend, Mike Peterson. I know a Mike Peterson. They meet up. So they basically meet up with their other friend, Ray, who shows up at Frank's house. Ray Cochran! To take them on a road trip to watch a big title fight boxing match in Chicago. They live in the Chicago suburbs. Ray has this loaded, decked out RV that he borrowed from a dealership. Ray, where the hell did you get this thing? I promoted it. You what? I conned the dealer into letting me take it out for the evening. How did you do that? Well, I was driving past the dealership and I spotted this beast and I was thinking about this evening. So I go inside and I say, you know what? This baby is perfect for entertaining clients. And I'm thinking about using it 
to buy a few of them for my sales force. At which time he got on his hands and knees and began begging me to take it out. It was embarrassing. No, wait, wait, wait. Your sales force, mm -hmm. Ray? I may have some. I will. <laughs> Tomorrow I'll return it and I'll say thank you very much, sir. But under very, very careful consideration, I would have to say it's not big enough. I need a driver's side airbag in the bathroom. And uh, <laughs> I'll see you. Nah. Seemingly, everyone else in the Chicagoland area is going to the fight as well, as the freeway is entirely gridlocked. Ray exits the freeway, but it brings them to a pretty rough-looking area. Think back to when we covered Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh, so, yeah. Just like in Bonfire of the Vanities, someone gets accidentally hit, Ray's RV hits a man named Teddy, and everybody's like, I felt it, Ray, you gotta stop. I loved him on Head of the Class. What are you doing? So, since they've been drinking, or more so Ray, rather than calling the police, they bring Teddy Teddy into the RV to take him to a hospital because they realize he's been shot. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. They did the right thing. And he has a paper bag full of money. It's always a paper bag full of money. Full of blood money, that is. Yes, literally bloody. Before they get anywhere, a car sideswipes them. Three men board the RV, remove Teddy, and they execute him. Did you mention my name to the guys in the truck? Did you mention my name in the truck, Teddy? Say did you mention what my name would I say anything? I wouldn't bat you out, man. I wouldn't say shit. So what do you want me to do? You want me to let you go? Is that what you want? I let you go and then I'm supposed to conduct business on the street. Who, who, who's gonna know, right? I mean, who, nobody's gonna tell him. I mean, he's not gonna tell him. I'm not gonna. That's right. No, come on, man. All you gotta do is. That'll take you back to the head of class. Yeah. Uh, these men are a crime lord named Fallon and his goons. Fallon now plans to execute our protagonists as they were witnesses. Okay. This is where our game of cat and mouse begins. The four friends flee. They end up hiding out in a streetcar and an apartment building. Then to another apartment building via rooftop. Then in the sewers. What is it about 1993 Dennis Leary and sewers? <laughs> massive, massive size sewers. Back on the uh, surface, they break into a swap meet, purposely setting off alarms. They try to get some security guards involved, but there's a shootout. In the end, Frank throws Fallon off a roof. Mike and John are taken to the hospital and expected to survive their wounds. Frank exits to see his wife as the movie ends. So characters, Emilio Estevez as Frank Wyatt, originally intended to go to John Travolta. I think this movie's worse with Travolta. Oh, it makes no sense. Estevez wasn't even the second choice, though. Tom Cruise and Christian Slater both passed. This led to Estevez getting a $4 million payday because Ooh. sometimes the best ability is availability. Yeah. They basically put it out there that this was like a $4 million role and then they couldn't get anybody. So Estevez was like, I'll do it. Guys, I have an idea. Let's get Gordon Bombay to say fucking shoot a gun. Let's do it. Cuba Gooding Jr. is Mike Peterson, who's Frank's best friend. Dennis Leary. I'm the son of God. Give me a cheeseburger. As Fallon, the <laughs> drug lord. Originally intended to go to Kevin Spacey. So almost Travolta and Kevin Spacey. Also considered Ray Liotta. Hell yeah. Steven Dorff is John Wyatt. He gets invited after another friend drops out. That friend could have been, I don't know. Uh, uh, Mickey Rooney. River Phoenix. Was he still alive at that point? Yes, he um, was. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Piven is Ray Cochran. Same year as PCU. Blows my mind, man. Peter Green as Sykes. Fallon second in command. He's great. He's, He's been in really everything. Everlast. Credit as Eric Schrode, which must be his real name. He knew what it's like. He plays Rhodes, one of Fallon's minions, not like <laughs> banana, not one of those minions. <laughs> what? Like the minions? Yeah. No, he's not He's not literally like a little yellow guy. He's, he's everlasting. Like Michael Wiseman is Travis, a minion, banana. Michael DiLorenzo as Teddy. Head of the class. Head of the class. And different Chris, world. Christine Harnos as Linda Wyatt, who reluctantly agrees to let Frank go to the boxing match because she didn't want him to because he's a family man. Hey, listen, she had insight. She probably had a sixth sense, but God damn it, honey, let him have some fun with his friends, okay? Yeah. Come on. Which actor, actress gives a passable performance. Does any non-lead character still see? I think by far, this is the Dennis Leary vehicle, man. Yep. He's Fallon is so fucking good. Let's jump right into the first scene then. When we meet Fallon for the very first time. Tell Fallon what? Well, go ahead. Tell him. Ah. Look, it's not what you think, man. I, I wasn't run running. I mean, you got it wrong. Look. I got all the money right there. You, you, you can count it. How could you steal from me, Teddy? I wasn't stealing from you, man. It's right there. All the money, man. The only thing I hate worse than a thief is a liar, Teddy. 
You broke rule number one. Do not steal from me. What you thinking about, Teddy? Look, come on, we grew up, man. All you had to do was keep the merchandise moving, Teddy. What was the problem, huh? No company car, not long enough lunches? We what? can't just sit here. We're not gonna do anything, Frank. We're not gonna do one fucking Come on, hey, what? What do you want us to do, man? When he pulls out the kid from the, the uh, RV yeah, after he Teddy. shoots him. Yeah. Oh, and he pulls out Teddy and he's trying to tell him, what do I need to do? Yeah. What should I do here, huh? Here's your money. And then he just goes in a full Dennis Leary. And you know what? Who would have thought that Dennis Leary would have made such a good fucking cocky criminal piece of shit? And then polar opposite in Demolition Man, where he is made to be a criminal. Everybody loves this guy because he's the common man. He likes, he's like Dusty Road. He likes football and porno and books about war. Yes. He's got an average wife and a nice hardwood floor. But God damn, he is so good in this movie. He's really great. So uh, what an awesome opening credit scene. So we got uh, De La Soul and Teenage Fan Club. Ah, oh, such a good song. Slow motion footage of Fall in the Suburbs and ultimately, like, we're watching all the slow motion footage of, of stuff happening. You get a slow pan and eventually, not to be confused with the low pan, <laughs> which uh, eventually leads to Frank Wyatt, Emilio Estevez, coming out of the house to uh, discuss with his wife. Hey. Hey. Hey, why don't you call Peggy? She can come over and watch TV with you. That, uh, that show that you like is on tonight, isn't it? Um, hey, hey, cutie. What's the name of it? Um, oh, come on, Linda. You're making me feel very guilty here. Look, it, it's just going to be for a couple of hours. I deserve this. You know, I haven't been out of the house for over three months. See, I'm pretty sure this is episode like 117. I might 116, 117. The cinematography in this movie is fucking amazing. They know how to spot on, make you feel scared, give you that element of suspense. Even if you do an off shot of just the corner of Dennis Leary's mouth, him directing yeah. orders, amazing shit here. Um, so next I have uh, Jeremy Piven and Dennis Leary are both really great on oh. the rooftop scene negotiating when Ray's trying to buy his freedom of himself and his friends until he's thrown to his death. You're pretty good. What's your name? Ray, Ray. Yeah, you're a good negotiator. Because you didn't even lowball me. I'm going to come in here and lowball you? Forget about that. Well, you know, because the thing is, I got to trust you. There's the payment of the money, and then, then there's your friends keeping their mouths shut, you know. No, hold on. We're businessmen, both of us. We have an understanding. Oh, let me tell you something, uh, Ray. You don't understand shit, okay? Nothing. Guys like you got to keep checking your pants to see if you got a dick. I got one. You and your friends are the kind of spoon-fed fucking fruit bait that I fucking hate! I don't think he understood me. Shut the fuck up! You speak when fucking spoken to, okay? This is not fucking high school, motherfucker! I'll eat your fucking friends for fucking lunch! You know who we are? No, you have no fucking idea, do you? No, tricks like you, you just sail through life reading about people like me in the newspaper. Hey! You're in a different place now, motherfucker. Yeah, $100,000 might buy you out of North Shore down here, pussy. That means shit. This is my fucking world. 200000 All right. <laughs> you got a deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you schooled me. <laughs> you picked my heart off the ground and <laughs> it's surgically implanted. Right. Just a little bit and my pulse will be Ray. back to normal. God. Right. Yeah. To my <laughs> I'm getting off this roof in one piece. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that it looks like they're making, he's making progress. Yeah. 100,000. And then he well, hands the ring off to Sykes and he loves it. And they're becoming buddy, buddy. He flips the switch yeah. on him. And then he says 200,000 flips the switch he, he back gives off. Him, yeah. He gives him his ring and, uh, and stuff. And he's giving him 200,000. So this is maybe a logic issue. So I don't know. I, it, it, with this movie, I do a lot of like put, trying to put myself in their shoes and like, how would I get away? Would I hide or would I run? And in this scene, if you're the other three friends watching from across the street, you've got to think he's not getting out of this. Yeah. Not that you don't want to like abandon your friend. They could have been running that whole, 
whole time. The logical explanation is literally told to uh, by uh, Frank to Mike when he said, if you shoot him, he's dead. Yeah. But you know what? He's dead regardless because they got four yeah. guns yeah. against their one. Right. Which they never seem to have to reload. Yeah, you. right. No, they have unlimited ammo in this movie. But here's the thing with that ladder, too. I get it. It's rinky dinky put together. But I'm assuming kids are running across that ladder. I would just full bore just book it instead yeah. of doing the well, super crawl yeah, thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll talk about that a little yeah, bit later. Logic. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, okay, you're at this point, if I'm, you know, Frank or um, any, I, I'm running. I am getting away Never at stop. this point. I'm not stopping. And this is their opportunity where they really could have put some distance between themselves. Yes. We'll go into more of that later because I have a ton of logic with that. So before that is my next one where Fallon starts reading Frank's wallet yeah. and talking about his wife as he's going up the stairs the apartment. And, they're, and they're hiding in that woman's apartment. Francis Howard Wyatt. Used to have a girlfriend named Francis. He has blue eyes, just like you. How does he know my name? Frank! Beautiful baby! Wow! Lucky for you, she looks just like your wife, huh? What's your wife, Italian? I always wanted a fucking Italian girl, Frank. I'll tell you what, Frankie. Francis! Since you won't come out and meet me man to man, I'm gonna take my case to the people, alright? And everybody can audibly hear Francis! Howard Wyatt and he's going off about how he'd like to fuck his wife and all this shit and they're getting scared and he can't figure out how he knows his name and Ray's flipping out he thinks for some reason Ray has his mentality oh I can call the cops they'll be yeah. here they'll be here quicker I have an in two weeks in a row we get Dennis Leary in 1993 in a sewer split up man this is stupid you really think we're gonna catch these guys yeah you coming Watch your ass. Shit. I always do, Mom. It's like we, <laughs> yeah. we got to have a scene in the sewer, right? And they like this sewer scene is pretty bizarre. Last week's sewer scene was bizarre because we got Stallone eating a rat burger. We rat had him drink beer. a beer from who knows where. And then we have like 50,000 people crammed into a fully developed sewer with an Oldsmobile this week. More of like real sewer yeah. with like uh, oh. sewage in it, but then a water slide in it. Yeah. And, and water's like Goonies kill the second in command down. They kill because yeah. he tells Mike Sykes, look, I'm yes. like, you're not going to shoot me. And he shoots, he shoots him, him center mass. Don't you move. All right, who's the chicken shit now, huh? Shoot me. Hey, 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 hey. You ever shoot anybody before? I don't think so. Now, if you don't give me that back, same thing happened to your friend Ray is going to happen to you. Yeah, and then you have uh, Travis. Leary choke out his uh he drowns his like other guy as he's going yeah, off on a rant he's, yeah he's going on a very dead yeah yeah, rant. yeah fucking and yeah the whole time he's holding the friend down and then everlast has to be like you know what i hate I hate whiners you know I hate people who just complain 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 a guy in a joint one time sell next to me and i used to, used to yap about everything he used to yap about the food and Yap about the guards, and yap about this, and yap about that, and yap, 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 all night long, fucking yap, yap, yap. Like a fucking 747, you know what I mean? Like an engine stuck right between your ears, and you can't get away from it because he's right next to you, you know what I mean? I don't think he's getting up. At the very end, where Frank kills Fallon. Yeah. Help me, for Christ's sake. What appears to be after rewatching this again, that whole last sequence is the longest oh, yeah. part of the I movie. I have the uh, the swap meet shootout, as Jesus I call it. Jesus Christ! When all of a sudden it's heads up, uh, his brother has been shot, Mike's been shot in the uh, gut, and then it's just one on one. Well, yeah. Hey, oh, you think you hurt me tonight? Is that it, huh? Is that what you think, huh. Francis? Hey, answer me! Oh, oh. fucking oh. prick! Get up! Is this how you're gonna go out? Francis? 
You're not getting away. I know where you're going. Fuck you. Fuck me. I don't think so, pal. 1922 Deadwood Drive. That's a fucking riot. Deadwood Drive. Bet you got a nice house up there, huh, Frank? Huh? Can't wait to meet your daughter. What's your name again? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You'll never see her grow up anyways. No! So to, the setup is they break the windows. They use a trash can to break out the windows. Because it says security on. It, yeah, because it says security. So they get in. Sure enough, it plays to their advantage. The security comes. And security's pissed. Oh, hugely pissed. And they're laughing and making jokes because they think they're probably safe. Okay, freeze! <laughs> There's two of them! I said freeze! <laughs> put your hand on top of the counter and spread it. Do it! Everything you say. All right, we're freezing. Yeah, we're freezing and we're spreading. Anything else you want us to do? You frisk him, I'll call 5-0. Uh-oh, Frank. I'm calling the cops. That's 911, buddy. <laughs> Tell them to hold your ass. These creeps are really loaded on something. But that's when Fallon's guys come in, Everlast and, and Fallon. They shoot one of the security guards. Fallon stabs the one in the back. Yeah. So then we, we just have a game of cat and mouse as the whole movie has been in a city. But now it, it's higher stakes, smaller space. It's almost like a video game map. It's like yeah, oh the yeah. cat and mouse game in the swap meet. These two are the he hides his brother and Mike in the bathroom closet. And then when he sees he's about ready to open that door, all of a sudden Emilio Estevez turned to 11 with that high pitched voice his hey you fucking scumbag i'm out here he's uh very quick to pull that trigger oh yeah gun. he triple deked all right so those were good best scenes but there's no swimming pool other than if you count the sewer oh yeah that's a dirty ass sewer hey get in a pool yeah yap 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 you swim 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 <laughs> This soundtrack for Judgment Night was considered great at the time, and some of it holds up well. Oh, yeah. Each song combines rap or alternative and metal, so we get like Slayer and Ice-T, De La Soul Teenage Fan Club, Cypress Hill, and Pearl Jam. So basically, all music that gives this movie a certain aesthetic. Rap metal, of course, paved the way for the more common term of new metal. Oh, oh, God. So for the first time in a long time, we are covering specifically music videos, and we are doing notable. That was a good word from Jim, because it was hard to say best or favorite. Yeah, because most of the time I'm like, I know it. I'm not going to ever say it's the best because I fucking hated it, but I loved it at the time. So we are doing notable rap metal and new metal music videos. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. Tim, go ahead and kick us off. <laughs> this is rough. So, fuck it. I'm starting off. Number five, I'm going to go with Linkin Park okay. with In the End. Yeah. What it meant to be will eventually be a memory of a time I tried so That's such a great video. I think, and this is good. Lincoln Park, that first album, Hybrid Theory, such a good damn album. I I think between Chester's voice and then Mike Shinoda's rapping, I just think it's aesthetically a pleasing, well, really good video. But the video is like the uh, early limits of what you could do with like. Oh yeah, it was like yeah, it's, were, it's 2000 fucking like two, floating on some green screen, oh, yeah. like uh, shapes and and. But you didn't need a lot of video. No, like, they did a good job of focusing what this was yeah. like why you wanted to buy that cassette because oh, yeah. they st you still could have got it on cassette. Yeah. Uh, my number five I'm breaking the rules right off the bat because not even an official music video. I'm going Kamira Dead Inside but from farmclub.com Well my tears are gone I am happy now They told me Okay. So I'm going to rant here. First, farm, do you remember farmclub.com? Vaguely. Farmclub.com was a show on the USA Network that aired from 2000 to 2001, so about a year and a half. Sometimes, and it was it was after Raw. Okay. So it was, it used the Raw lead-in, it would be after Raw. Sometimes it would be signed bands, but often it would show us like behind the scenes life of unsigned bands and then show that band or artist perform. So like, if they were 
worked at a steel mill, they'd show them like, by day, we work at a steel yeah. mill. By night, we'll tear your faces off with our rock and chalk baseball. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so with Chimera, this is a band my friends and I found on accident. We used to go to lots of like local shows, battle of the bands, stuff like that in high school. Like every weekend, like four or five of us would get in a car. We'd just go see a show, even if we liked the bands or not. Like yeah. we just went and saw tons of live music. We found this band by accident. They were from Cleveland. And the first time we saw them, we were like, this is the greatest thing ever. And it opened a lot of doors for us because Chimera had like influences in punk and metal and hardcore. And like we saw Ringworm and we saw these other bands. So saw them in Cleveland a bunch. When we found out they were going to be on national television, we all recorded on VHS. We were like really excited because it was the coolest thing ever. Then Chimera got signed to Roadrunner Records, which was like, holy shit, like Slipknot's on Roadrunner and all these legendary bands are on Roadrunner Records. And then they released their album. It fucking sucked. sucked. It sucked. It sounded like he was singing underwater. The album was called Pass Out of His Existence, but it had sounded like nothing they'd done before or after. It was so disappointing, but it still ended up like we all used the songs for like backyard wrestling. Oh, yeah. Like all of us were like backyard wrestling themes. And uh, before I move on from this, another quick story. Jamie Grant, we shout him out a lot on this podcast. We used to go to the mall, hang out and stuff. And Jamie was wearing a Camira shirt and we we're walking around. And this guy, he's probably 15 years older than us. Kind of looks like Stone Cold. You know the time? Bald, beard. And he's very obviously following us. Yeah. And we're like, this guy a creep? Does he want to fight? It's like, what is happening? So we duck into this store. It was DJ's where we knew people. Oh, yeah. We duck into DJ's. Guy follows us in. Kind of corners us. Very uncomfortable. Looks at Jamie and goes, I saw your Chumara shirt. And I was like, and Chumara? Yeah, I called him Chumara. <laughs> And uh, he like did like the devil horns. devil horns. But it was like, I saw your Chumara shirt. And I was like, Bleh. so that's why he was following us. Like, who the fuck is Chumara? The whole time he followed us because he just wanted to say like, yeah, I see you. I always so wanted to shirt. do that to somebody who was wearing a trap shirt. My next one, number four, and is as embarrassing as I may say, when this song came out, I thought it was great. It's Limp Bizkit Faith. Well, I guess it would be nice. This music yeah. video with the, the go-to late 90s 15 frames per second filter that they used on everything. Yeah. Interspliced with concert footage and the debut of the backwards red New York Yankees yeah. ad. Was this your exposure to Limp Biscuit? This was first? my first. I know Counterfeit was their first yeah. song, but this was the because this went the fucking number. Remember, it was the constant battle between NSYNC, yeah. Backstreet, Britney, Limp Biscuit, Corn, and then this finally got to number one. I remember I became like the most hardcore temporary Limp Biscuit fan. <laughs> I needed to have a red backwards Yankee yeah. hat. I thought fucking Fred Durst was the coolest. <laughs> If I could go back oh, in time man. now, I would hire somebody to beat the shit out of I me. I can remember one of our friends buying a red hat at that time, wearing it backwards, having the soul patch and everything. And then when somebody would say, you look like Fred Durst, he'd be like, fuck you. Like, I, I, so what else are you yeah, doing exactly. it for? You're wearing a backwards red hat. You have a soul patch. Like you look just like him. You're trying to. And then you act like that's not why you're doing it. You know what's bad too? You look back on Limp Bizkit and Fred Durst now. Just how he would like annotate his yeah. words. Like, come on, Tegal, break, fuck you. You know, it's just the most That's shittiest perfect. thing. You almost started sounding like Bobcat Goldthwait, though. <laughs> But the funniest thing I used to love when Limp Biscuit would be on the radio and it was edited. So that one part in my generation where he's like, go ahead and talk shit, talk shit about me. I'll never forget hearing it on like CD 106 where he's like, go ahead and talk slick, talk yeah. slick about me. I'm like, I fucking lost it. What a good run, right? Oh my God. Did they have a, what good, a good run? run? Like right there from between 98 and 2001, probably the the WrestleMania 17 yeah. My Way yeah. Rock Stone Cold promo was amazing. They really hit a pocket, and then this year they've really had a ton of success. So 2022, you can go as whatever that new version of Fred Durst is with the nobody knows. He looks like the uh, sabotage Beastie Boys video. <laughs> Number four, Deftones Back to School. Oh yeah.
Gino Marino skateboarding through the halls, performing on top of desks in classrooms. The song and video both still rule. Gino Marino's got the classic fashion, the Dickies, the hoodie. Oh yeah. Love it. He looks great. I love that song. It's classic for me. There's so many good Deftones videos, but I've got that one off White Pony. So my number three, and I watched the video just to remember what this is. For some reason, I don't remember it anymore because I associate this with the fucking movie grind. It's P.O.D. with Boom. Now, all these new middle songs always had that quick hook, that hook to get you immediately. Yes. And it's in grind when they have the showdown on the half pipe. But for the longest time, I'll never forget. Remember the great debate. Is POD a Christian band? And if you would say, yeah, they're Christian. Like, no, they're not. They're not Christian. I would never listen to a Christian band. And here, the hypocrisy and the denials. It's almost like Creed's a Christian band. No, they're not. Well, I love Creed. So a, a cool thing about POD and Southtown video. Yeah. A bunch of the people in the crowd in the Southtown video are wearing so there's one prominently featured that's wearing a Zayo jersey and yeah. Zayo is a, like a Christian hardcore band and they prominently featured there's a couple of them in this video and it's like that's a really cool move to feature yeah. you know one of your peers and like turn people onto them because people are like well what's Zayo you know they looked it up and so Zayo is one of those bands that at one point had no original members which how is that possible and here's the thing with POD too they knew they were a Christian band they started as a Christian band then all of a sudden there was the bad Backlash. Yeah. They're like, we're not Christian band. Fuck devil, man. Come on. We're a devil band. We're the youth of the nation. Come yeah. on. Booyaka, booyaka. 619. That's my Pueblo. <laughs> uh, number three. I have a band I saw live and it was a ton of fun. Is head PE bartender. Oh yeah. Take it to the bedroom, take it to the streets, take it like a man, motherfucker. Your bitch chose me, motherfucker. This video has everything any new metal heart could want. Slow motion walking, strippers, piercing, dyed hair, Liberty Spikes performing behind like a chain link chicken fence. But the song's very groovy because all of that head PE had like that very groovy like bass and guitar type stuff. And we can't bring up head PE without mentioning that the very new metal, scary looking like white out contact pierced and tattooed singer was in a new wave group called The Clue. Hell yeah. So watching any YouTube video of The Clue and then watching a head PE video makes me wonder what steps happened in between? Oh, God, yeah. So, like, the way a boy band would, like, select somebody and make them look a certain way, was he playing a part? Either, it would make sense if he either, was. Either, like, the singer had P, like, that's my real personality, that's who I really am, and I just did the clue as, like, trying to make money, or was, like, he really, like, into the new wave and being the clue, and then, you know, they were like, hey, you've got a good voice, you've got a look, we're gonna put you in with this band, and we're but we gotta, like, change your look, or did it, like, literally just happen? Because people can change, Yo, you know? Yeah. I can really be into new wave and then go to new metal. Both <laughs> have new week. in the name. Yeah, why not? Well, one was spelled N-E-W, one was N-U. True. Yeah. So my second one, oh, my number two. Oh, Christ. Shifty Shell Shock, Crazy yeah. Town, Butterfly Fuck. Yes. Okay. It's it's iconic. Listen, it's fucking iconic. It doesn't mean it's good, but it's iconic. It's not good. And it has no staying power. But if you are that one out there that says, I never fucking like butterflies. That's bullshit. I didn't listen to that crap. That's girl music. You were that one that yeah. went out and bought the single on cassette and CD. You bought the whole album for Butterfly. Can I name another Crazy Town song? Absolutely not. But boy, this song blew the fuck yeah. up. And then all of a sudden it became the poster child yeah. for fucking garbage music. Yep. But it was the same people that loved it that turned against it almost immediately well, because it was a popular that, thing to see, do. That, that's the funny thing. And that gets into my number two, I'll quickly say is Corn Freak on a Leash. But the people that are fans of these bands are so territorial. They're gatekeepers for this type of thing. When Korn was on TRL, they were like fucking sellouts and like. Yeah. No, but they were the ones I was going fucking sync. Yeah, fuck yeah. Britney. But then like Korn sellouts for being on TRL. But it's it's the same thing with like Crazy Town. And maybe they were made in a lab. Maybe yeah. it was like, we're going to take these tattooed guys and spiky hair and eyeliner and 
nipple piercings and whatever. And we're going to have him sing a song that has crossover pop appeal. Oh, yeah. But has the look of new metal. And God, did it fit a pocket? Did oh. it really find a place? Because of every new metal song, and like now I really miss like video countdowns, top oh, yeah. 50, top 500, whatever. MTV used to do top 500 video countdown and they do it like two weeks leading up to Christmas or what or the New Year's. You could do, it would have to be on YouTube now because music channels don't exist any longer, but somebody should make the top 50 new metal video countdown. You would almost have to put Crazy Town's Butterfly. It's top five. Top five. It has to be. it Because of the power it had. I mean, so the number one, I think on that list would be my number two, Corn Freak on a Leash, which objectively it's the premier music, like, new metal music video of all time. Even though their big one, Got the Life, was yeah. the one that really right. reshot them to a different audience. Yeah, true. So, directed by Todd McFarlane, has some, it has something like 250 million views on YouTube. Basically, part animated, part live action. Video follows a bullet accidentally fired by a policeman. But, Jim, I need to hear your best Jonathan Davis scat thing. Oh, God. Alright. <clears throat> Go! That's actually really good. Job well done. Thank you. I will clap for that because that's actually really good. I. You think he wrote that down? Do you think he was no like, no way? Boom, not da doom, not namina. You well, think he like wrote that on the lyrics? Well, do you sheet? think Scatman when he did the Scatman song? I, there's no way he wrote it down. He probably just riffed it. I don't know. Have. I don't know. That's that's weird. But I, I like to think of Jonathan Davis being like, boom. Is your favorite basis of all do? time, Fieldy? No. Okay. No, it was not. Head, Fieldy, Monkey. Yes. They all had names. And then Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis. Yeah. The weirdest looking one out of all of them. Like, oh, he was probably like, we should all have kick-ass names. And he's like, yeah, I'm Fieldy. I'm Monkey. I'm, you know, whatever. Oh, I'm just, I'm, an, I'm Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis. And he's in the Limp Biscuit Break Stuff video. Yeah. So there you go. Go ahead and talk slick. So my number one. Number one. It's not new metal, but it is the thing that inspired new metal rap rock by far for me. It's Anthrax, Public Enemy, Bring the Noise. Look at my number one. Anthrax and Public Enemy bring the noise. I mean, if it wasn't for that, none of this happens. Granted, you oh can say God. Aerosmith and Run DMC I'm were glad first. we're on the same page because everything about this one is still seriously fucking awesome. And what's the one thing you associate that song with? Tony Hawk. Yeah. The song kicks ass. The video is cool. Rap metal and new metal often get it wrong, a la Crazy Town Butterfly. But if more of it was like this, it wouldn't have faded Amazing. away. It's so good. That yeah. video, like you just like find yourself like watching that video. You just want to like face. How low can yeah, you go? Bob your head. It's so catchy and infectious and awesome. The video is awesome. You've got Scotty in up front and you've got Flava Flav when he was still with it. Chuck D. Chuck D. It's awesome. That video is great. All right. Honorable mentions. Mudvay dig which we yeah. talked about the uh, bugle face motherfucker they they glued ah. spray painted bugles to the one guy's face slip not wait to bleed yeah wait and bleed wait uh, and bleed whatever kitty brackish because oh, kitty yeah. was like the all female new metal you know like, yeah they were awesome one we have to talk about methods of mayhem get naked oh god this was tommy lee's rap side project it's fucking vile it's the, yeah. everything about it's vile it's all about like the whole beginning of the lyrics are like tommy lee something made 86 million fucking his wife on in the sun or something like that's the whole beginning of the song it's about that in his dick yeah and then uh some of the craziest lyrics ever like my jizzy jism he actually says Great. and i ain't leaving till you're sleeping on the cum stains okay. is one of the lyrics okay. so it's most hotel rooms you're sleeping on cum stains yeah. folks rage against machine killing in the name of you can go with any rage against the machine limp biscuit break stuff yeah because limp biscuit everything limp biscuit everything my way yeah uh, the stuff with method man come on <laughs> Go. Power Man 5000 when worlds oh, Rob Zombie's little brother. Yep. Static X, push it. Rest God. in peace. Uh, saliva. Yep. Anything by saliva. Papa Roach, last resort. System of down. They toxicity. They chop suey. Uh, you wanted to. Uh, 
incubus do you count them in new metal no i think they're too soft but then what were they were they pop an outlier because they very much toured with all of these see here's the thing i don't technically count disturbed in new metal oh you're crazy because there's not really a kind of a rappy-ish element to it but it's new metal see that's the the, i just think it's rock but that's the distinction though because like rap metal became new metal because it didn't necessarily mean rap anymore it's true so disturbed is definitely new metal a band that i don't know puddle of mud oh yeah she fucking hates me Uh, blurry Blurry, bad day yeah blindside pitiful speaking of fucking grind grind. so yeah i think this would make if it doesn't exist already somebody should go through and be like top 50 new metal late 90s early 2000s video how great would that be it'd be so good what would you say is the number it's freak on a leash core number one i would say freak on a leash is number one i would say crazy town butterflies definitely top five i would say lip biscuit probably break stuff three yeah is right there Um, i mean that's the one that triggered woodstock 99 yeah yeah i would i mean it's really it's hard to say i mean it is it like honestly corn and limp biscuit could probably have two or three videos each in the top 10 they basically that they those should. two bands could be the top five yeah and then uh i mean there's there's a lot of them too that we're not talking there's other deftones videos there's like other um like spine shank yeah you had a lot and of like, one-offs you had like a lot of one-offs that actually made like really good songs and videos but um you know just didn't don't have the staying power yeah. of corn and limp biscuit and stuff so if you want to give us your top 50 we'll hear oh, you out please give if you're your, taking that time and effort to do a top 50 we'll reward you so until then let's uh we've got a lot of aggression and anger and toxic masculinity from the uh, new metal let's get back in the pool everybody get back in the pool boom <laughs> Incredible stuff there, Jim. I really, really loved it. It uh, fucking hurts my throat. I don't get it. You use that bigger balls than anybody. Is that what you think this is about? Balls? What about using your goddamn brain? What would you say to me? What are you trying to prove, Mike? That you can get us all killed? Because that's exactly what you're going to do. I get a wife and a little girl, and I will get back to them tonight. You want to go out down here like some kind of goddamn hero? You do it alone. Let's go, John. Frank! Frank! What? God damn it! Just wait up. Critical question. All right, here we go. How confident would you be in your own survival in a situation like this? Because I have a bit of common sense. I'm running. I'm not fucking stopping. That's half the problem. Until I die of exhaustion. I know. I'm (laughs) literally. fucking load album my parents had to get that for me but here's the thing like you witness the murder a first right off the bat psychologically you're fucking just damaged Mm. for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life you're permanently damaged but if you're in that scene in the rv i think frank does the best thing just fucking light that bitch on fire and start running yeah but they get into trouble every time by stopping and hiding. Yeah. When you're on their turf, their territory, they know everywhere to hide. Like a dumpster. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I would think if you found a decent hiding spot, you would be safe. You could just wait it out. And here's the thing. When you're, when they're at that projects and they hear like the gangsters, yeah. mm-hmm. what makes them think that they're going to be anywhere? You know what I mean? Yeah. They hid from them, right? I, whatever. Do you think it would be better to divide, to split up, or do you think you should all stick together? I think the worst thing is you you don't ever split up because that's when shit gets even worse. You don't split up. It doesn't help that you have somebody like Ray who's just going to fucking hold you down. Let's just, uh, Mr. David McCall, I'm running from you. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Chasing me through the woods. Imagine if he was in that movie as David McCall. Terrifying. They should just make a whole series of David McCall movies. <laughs> Fucking, it should be like a we novel. Find somebody to recast as David McCall. There's big shoes to fill. When they exit the freeway, so they're in the RV and somebody like runs into them in traffic. Hey, back up, Eddie. Stop stopping. Look out. Oh, this guy just hit me. He just hit me. Leave him alone. 
Yeah, relax. Ah! Take the fire. Ah! Pretty go home. Unless you want me to. Huh? Nah. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. All right. That fucking guy. Yeah. Cuba Jr. Wants to like fight him. Uh, no, it wasn't him. Oh, it was, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. His right. brother, his brother. Uh, Emilio Estevez's yeah. brother. Right. Fuck you. Yeah. So they exit. They drive past those dudes in the street. Well, first off, he reverses a Winnebago in the shoulder lane yes. for I don't know how long. Incredible. But then they exit. They drive past these guys who they think are pulling out a gun. Which I would have reacted the same way. Yes. And he pulls out what? It's like a, you know. He pulls out a, a bottle of booze. Or, yeah. How are you? Show him, man. Show him what you got. Check it out, man. Show him. Yeah. What's this? Wait, what the hell are you doing? Let him have it, Earl. <laughs> How is that funny? Can you tell me? Because I don't get it. <laughs> tell me why that's funny. Just get us back on the expressway. And then they go down the street until they find. So how far do you think they traveled? A mile? Yeah. Two miles? Yeah. If that. After the RV blew up and they ran on foot, why didn't they run back towards the highway ramp? Because that's logical. Because that's where all the people are. They kept going deeper into their territory. I mean, maybe Fallon comes and shoots you in front of everyone, but odds are he's probably not. If no. you make it up to the freeway ramp where everybody's yeah. at, you're good. We're thinking maximum two miles. Yes. And the amount of two miles and you got to figure give it a ballpark number how much do you think they ran total mileage throughout this whole movie i mean most of it was in a circle I'd but still say like eight miles okay maybe. but still yeah. though if you just witnessed teddy get fucking his head blown off don't you think after dennis leary says no witnesses you would just start firing willy-nilly into that winnebago instead of doing a slow methodical walk to the winnebago while the four of them in there strategize what the fuck should we do yeah they have enough armor and like weaponry. Just start lighting that Winnebago up. You're going to hit them all. Yes. They're dead. Right. They're fucking gone. Yes. What are you waiting for? It's crazy. I love that they added the sound effects to the boxing match while they're watching on the satellite dish in the RV. Look at him. I love it. It's, it's so bizarre because like they're watching a boxing match, but the, the all the punches have like this crazy. Like, doosh, 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 this well, they have crazy, like a like, like a twenty five or twenty seven inch TV in the back. There's like a nineteen inch TV onto the dash. And here's another thing too. Granted, Ray said he went to a dealership and said he wanted to look to get a fleet of these things. First off, they're not going to sign off on that. Second, are they just going to have a Nintendo already in place in there? I don't know. Well, I mean, he puts his gun. When did he get this RV? Because like the first thing he does is what? Put his gun in the gun's the, an extra. The guns in his his, uh, his glove box. Also, why do they have the lights on the entire time? Do you want people fucking looking in at you the whole time? Come on. Yeah, it's insane. I just I don't know. I have the problem with the RV. A lot of problems because like they set it on fire, they blow it up. Where is this part of town that's just completely abandoned? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. Boxing pay per views tend to run late, but at the latest, what is it? Midnight because it's the the pre fights. It's you got to figure most are in Vegas, so they're if they're in Chicago, it's a two hour difference between Vegas and Chicago. Yeah. Main event normally kicks off at midnight. Yeah. So it's probably 10. There's everyone's gone. This is a, a part of the town that shuts down at six. Lock o'clock it up, shut it down. There is not one passing car. There's nope. not other than the homeless guys. There's no one in the streets. There's no one in the building. Well, there's yelling. the one cop car, but Mike gets on the PA and yeah. somehow the cop just ignores it. Yeah. But like you would think they blow up an RV, even if it's after midnight, like somebody's going to call to be like, hey, there's a giant explosion. You know, some the fire needs to You're come not going to notice out. that from the freeway. Exactly. Somebody's going to call from the freeway. If somebody on the freeway said, I just saw a huge explosion in this area of town, not only are the cops going to respond in cars, there's going to be a helicopter. And you're telling me there's not news helicopters already up there covering a major fight. I, it's, I don't know. All right. Here's another one for you because we keep bringing it up. It's a classic movie trope. They stop running and hide, which is fucking so annoying. But then when they're in the train yard, they are found. Fallon and his crew stop after they shoot the homeless guy wearing Mike's Letterman's jacket to look at Frank's wallet. Yet somehow in that period of time, they catch up to Frank and the boys almost instantaneously. What in the hell? Is there a time warp that I'm unaware of in that part of Chicago? So they really don't ever stop. I mean, they do hide out a couple times, but they really don't ever stop. But it's like Fallon and these guys are always on their heels. Now, when they go in the apartment, so they walk through this 
field. They go into this apartment building. Kid on the swing. This lady pretty much pulls out a weapon. As a bat. Has a bat. And is like, no. She doesn't believe him. Excuse me. Yeah, what do you want? I need to use a phone. Just hold it right there. Now keep back. Keep back. Please, just listen. Because I'll bust all your goddamn heads. And don't think I won't. Clarissa, you all right? Get out of here, Rita, now. Just, just. Just give us a chance. The only chance you're going to get is to get your motherfucking asses in gear before I start swinging. Let's get out of here, man. I told you these people didn't want to help us. Come on. Look, we saw a boy get murdered tonight. And the men that shot him did it in cold blood. If they catch us, they're going to kill us, too. So what, they're following you? No, no, we lost them. You never believe us. We're telling the truth. We just want to use your phone to call the police. That's it. We're not going to cause you any trouble. Please. All right, so even if she doesn't believe them, why wouldn't they be like, don't let us in. You call the cops. Yeah. And whatever you want to tell the cops, just please have the cops come here. Yeah, they have no need to go in there. No, they don't. And like, they were like, let us in, whatever. As long as the cops are called, they can take their chances in explaining to the cop now here's what's the, going on. Now, here's the thing, though. If they don't go in, they don't get a rapport, at least with that girl, they would have no idea about the roof. So they would have went up five yeah. stories to tell somebody to call the cops for them to have to go five stories back down yeah which would have been interesting no nuts in the sewer they find like they each find like perfect weapons it's oh, like a video God. game Pike. it's like uh grand theft auto or something where it's just like you're walking oh here's a perfect yeah. pipe to pick up here's a stick that's the perfect size here's like all these weapons added to inventory i mean it's like fucking mike is also maniacal when he decides it's time to make a stand i don't know what cuba gooding jr does but in the face of death he becomes like a wild-eyed like yeah oh he's nuts hey, hey. We're going to stand up to him, okay? Okay, Frank? Mike, they got guns. We have nothing. Screw the guns. We watch each other's back. We'll be, we'll be okay. And he, then he fucking punches he does, Frank at one point. He loses it. He like pretty much goes straight to like having like a trigger finger. You know, yeah. he just like instantly like I'm going to shoot everything and everyone with unlimited ammo. Everlast wearing a flannel over a turtleneck. It's That's a look. Interesting. I have one, a big one. And okay. it deals with Everlast. When we get to the end of the movie, when they're in the swap meet, the flea market, the fruit stand, whatever the fuck you want to call it. He shoots Mike in the gut. Okay. Mike fires off one. Stuns him, fires him off again, stuns him again. In the process of after that second shot, Everlast still has a full clip. Yet somehow yeah. he can't fucking finish yeah. Mike off. He shoots the floor. He starts going down and shooting the floor three more times. Yeah. You're telling me on the way down, he can't keep his arm up and just finish Mike off? Well, I actually wondered about that because I'm like, if somebody had shot you, this, this first is off, asking, I'd be down after this that is, first yeah, shot. This is asking a lot. But if somebody shot you and you knew you were probably dying, would you? want to like kill them or would you just want to be like i'm just gonna die because they got the best of me listen first off that guy's killed multiple people yeah. he's going somewhere already ain't gonna matter i'm taking somebody with me okay imagine being a vendor at the swap meet fuck you show up the next morning you to work sh show up the next day or next weekend or whatever and your whole world has been fucked up because they managed to destroy who the, the entire fucking who the swap fucked meet. up fucked up my uranium glass and my shirley mclean <laughs> cobalt glasses what yeah. the fuck happened the so the railing where oh that's so cheap he throws. Did he have it? Was it taped? I don't. It was so bad. Fuck. Like he throws Fallon. And Fallon does the genius move. And he tells, like, come on, save me. Because Fallon falls for it. Yeah. Fallon's like starting to fall over the side. And he's like, come on, like, save me. You were you going to help me out? And Frank, fucking idiot, grabs him. And then Fallon tries to pull Frank over the side. And I, I still don't understand how you survive that. Because, like, Frank kicks him or something. Yeah. But it's like he would still end up going. Yeah, I would say so. And then uh, my last one. How do they explain any of what happened to the police? Not at all. So and the whole end is so nonchalant because they're just treating Frank like he's a cop. They're oh, like, yeah. He's just like, hey, like he's like, you know, wandering around. He's talking to his friends on the stretchers and like he's having a chat with the police. And the police is like, hey, your wife's here. And he's just like strolling outside. He's like, oh, we found this wallet. You must have dropped it. Yeah. They knew it was on his body. Yes. What do you mean he dropped it? Yeah. They've got tickets to the Bears game at the end. And he's like, I think I'll just stay home. 
And I love when his brother says, I'm too young for this shit. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm it's perfect. It's pretty funny. Any legacy? What is the legacy of this movie? You know what? The funny thing about this movie, the legacy is that opening song that De La Solda. Do, 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 do. Because every time I associate, I associate with the song. That's the lasting image of this movie. Do you think that there's a place for this type of movie still? Because like you get elements of this still in like stuff like Fast and Furious yeah. and, and whatever. Like you still get those types of elements. But like this movie is pretty thin on plot. It's literally like these dudes are going to go to a boxing match. They accidentally piss off these dudes and we spend the rest of the movie chasing them. Yeah. And it's all act like there's really very minimal plot, like not a ton of character development. We get five minutes total for all of our main character development. Yeah. It's literally like Frank is a family guy. His wife, lucky he's a family guy. Makes you laugh and cry. His uh, brother is like a waste. His brother's like a waste. His friend, I don't know. Ray's like this big personality, like salesman, schemer. I would love to have seen if they didn't kill Ray. And he said the next morning he was getting a hundred grand or 200 grand. Yeah. He doesn't have a hundred or 200. No, grand. I would love to see him take him down to the bank and proceed to try to give him $200,000 yeah, That's and then cap him in the street. Great. Which we didn't mention where, I mean, we mentioned the scene, yeah. but we didn't mention Ray getting kicked off the roof. That yell. And he just kind it's of, it's almost flips. a Wilhelm scream. Yeah. And then he just, he lands on like a guardrail or something. Yeah. <laughs> And then they like come back and uh, well, another great cinematography shot when Everlast takes off the ring and then flicks it. Yeah. And you see it roll through his blood. Yeah. So great. All right. Stick around for some plugs. We saw a boy get murdered tonight. If they catch us, they're going to kill us, too. This fall, there's one movie to see. Judgment Night Rated R starts Friday, October 15th. Cool Sceners, thank you once again for checking out this week's episode. And don't forget, like, comment, subscribe, rate and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Pool Scene Podcast. Make sure you join the Pool Sceners group on Facebook for exclusive content. And we are starting a Twitch channel. We cool twitch.tv slash pool scene podcast. Once again, thank you, everybody. And now back to Kevin. Final lap guy, run! Yeah! The final lap! All right, final lap. I'll, I'll go first this week. There was a professional fishing scandal. Did you see that? That's one thing I was going to talk about, Are too. Are you kidding? Yes, it's okay, amazing. So, well, then I'll go ahead and pass it to you. Go ahead and, and tell us about the, it took place in Ohio, and it's, uh, yeah. it's rocking the world, rocking the boat. Kevin, I'll hit you with the headline. You finish it off. So here's the tweet. I got it from the New York Times. The director at a Cleveland fishing tournament became suspicious when the five fish he estimated to be about 20 pounds total weighed in at nearly 34 pounds. He opened them and the next moments rocked the competitive fishing world. We got weights and fish. Yep. They weighed the fish down. Oh they my put God. lead weights. They rigged the fish. The fish. <laughs> it's insane behavior. What? It's a fucking fishing tournament. I love the commercial because like it is like all hell's popping off and the guys are like that's stealing. Like he's like you're stealing. Like you're going to pro- pro- it's nuts. The fact that this dude took that amount of time to get fish stage the fish add iron weights in these fish and then resync them and then somehow recatch it is so clandestine i would have let him won the fucking tournament why not because look what kind of publicity would this tournament have gotten without this zero unless you're into competitive fishing you're big into kevin van dam wow. that is the only fisherman i've ever known by name who else is going to care about it nobody it's now nuts. everybody's talking about somebody rigged a fucking well, fishing there's tournament like all these sports right now that are popping off with controversy there's that chess that oh, with a dildo or something yeah. like that well there's a chess cheating scandal where the dude made one move and then resigned because he was like i'm not playing against cheater like whole thing so when this episode comes out i will be on my way to las vegas where there's no cheating whatsoever at all in anything i bought some michael jackson ass sparkly da- like dress shoes and i'm waiting to see how 
how long it takes for someone to say like he he or Shamon or whatever. <laughs> Call me Liberace. So you have um, a best you have a good chance of meeting somebody named he he Shamon. He he Shamon. He he Shamon. I uh yeah I'm gonna be gone most of the week. Gonna be at a trade show. Gonna do some uh, mingling at some events and meet some clients of mine and some sales reps and yeah that sort of thing. But I am gonna try and get the evil pie on Fremont Street, which is a pizza place owned by the uh, grandson of Evil Knievel. They have a bunch of like neat pizza combos and pizza by the slice. I'm going to see Circa Casino, which um, I have not seen yet. It's a new property on Fremont. So not too excited for it. I've been to yeah. Vegas a million times and stuff. And, you know, I, I just basically want to get it over with because it's it's in the way of a bunch of my Halloween activities. Yeah. I do like do a ton of like Halloween related stuff every year. And this is time away from that. So I'm not real stoked. But with me missing for a week, uh, that's a horrible way to put it. But with me gone for a week, uh, we will still have an episode. We Next week, we'll be back at you with a uh, swim meet series. Yes. Have we done a swim meet series this season? I don't think so, no. Okay, so this will be the first swim meet series of banger season. So until next week, signing off, Silencia. <laughs>